630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Thanks again to Kevin Carius and Jordan Baker for coming into studio. Great to have them dropping by. Of course, if you ever miss anything on Inside Sports, go to the old website, 630Chad.com. You can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast, or I guess subscribe to it. You sign up for a podcast, I think you just subscribe to it. Like you subscribe to TV Guy. Uh, you can also just go to the Inside Sports page, and there's audio files that you can just click play on. It's great. All right, uh, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Matthew Panaschik is our studio operator this evening. We'll get to some uh, Todd McClellan, some Mike Riley, some Jason Moss, all in this half hour of the show. Uh, Panaschik, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for uh, filling in whatever you're helping out on Oilers now, so that's appreciated, even though I'm not on that show anymore. I assume you contributed. No problem. I always appreciate the opportunity, Reed. That's well, you should. Sure. I do. <laughs> I do for I sure. I didn't mean for that to sound that by, aggressive. By the I'm way, sorry. By uh, way, just let good the, work, Matthew. Just to let the listeners know, by the way, <laughs> hours one and two are up per podcast, by the way, already. So you just go up to the page and go on the Inside Sports page, and you listen to hours that's good. one and two again. You did a fast job doing that. Yes. That's, that's perfect. Hey, how's your golf game, buddy? Non-existent because I don't play that much. Because you don't have I'm, any time to play. I'm You're busy. working too much. <laughs> i gotta say, I got to say again, thanks to Taylor Sinski at the Quarry. Uh, he's given me a couple lessons this summer. And uh, you can go to my Twitter account, at Reed Wilkins. We have our latest episode of Discover the Quarry. Beautiful location up there in northeast Edmonton. I'm playing there uh, tomorrow morning. And uh, like I said, I have some lessons from Taylor today. I played uh, Devon today, where I play a few times with one of my buddies. He's a, he's a member there. Two birdies in one round. I don't know if I've ever done that in my life. That's clutch, buddy. And I broke 100 for only the second time all summer out of eight or nine rounds. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I have modest goals with my golf. I, and I feel like I should say something to people, because uh, I'm not trying to brag or anything. But I, I once unexpectedly, you were there, spent a whole half hour on this show. We were going to have a guest, or I don't know, we were going to do something else. And I spent a whole half hour lamenting my golf game. And it actually got quite dark. I mean, I was almost tearing up. And Ryan Jesperson even called in to, to help me deal with it. And you were you were struggling to know what to say. You were trying to be tender. So I had a good round today. And I'm happy and I'm encouraged. And the lessons and the work I've put in, when I've had time, have made a difference. Now so that's I've, good. Now I've heard about your your iron game, which is improving. Your your clubs are you're going you're hitting them much farther than what you usually uh, hit them. Uh, how's your putting, by the way, coming along? My, well, my are putting you... today was good, um, and I haven't really I haven't practiced my putting. I just go out there and do it. Generally, I'm an okay putter. I can put it close enough for gimmies or shorter putts. Today, uh, I drained probably a thirty footer. For a birdie, and then I made another birdie. It wasn't as long, but I was on the fringe, and I would, the thirty footer was a little bit of luck because I misread the green, but it kind of broke back at the end and went in. That's how thirty footers go in, buddy. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> and then the the other birdie putt, I was off the green on a par three, 
but I actually read the break and it hit the flag and dropped because the pin was still in because I was off the green, right? So I was happy. I still hit bad shots. I still had three holes that I would categorize as disasters, but the the it, the disasters didn't mount. So that's what I'm after. I'm not like this is the thing. I think people think when I was talking about it, like I'm not trying to all of a sudden shoot 78. No, I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to just not be a complete spazoid. <laughs> I, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I, I remember when That's I was like, probably a politically beginner. incorrect word that I just used. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying. I was going to say. You know, I remember when I was starting out. I got so frustrated when I was a kid playing golf. I almost gave it up, and I just kept at it and kept working. Took lessons, and really, actually, I'm not a bad golfer, but I don't play that much. So when I go out now, read it frustrates me to go out because I know I'm not going to play good. Well, that's a, that's that's the thing. You, it's a, it's a recreational sport that is impossible to be any good at if you just do it recreationally. You have to sort of put some time. Well, I guess some people are just better at it. But the reason I wanted to take lessons is that I wanted to understand what I could do to correct bad shots. I'm not trying to eliminate bad shots. I don't I don't hit a bad shot and get all mad and act surprised about it. I expect that, hey, I don't play a lot. Sometimes I'm going to hit one in the woods or I'm going to hit one... 40 yards because I'm going to top it or whatever. But what what I want to do is have the fallback to say, okay, I think I might have neglected to do that on this shot. Or, or, okay, what did Taylor tell me? What are some reminders? Make sure I set up this way. So today, uh, even on my bad holes, it wasn't because I hit a series of bad shots. It was just because I hit one really bad shot where I had to take a penalty or, or kind of mess me up a little bit. So that's improvement, and I'm happy with that. As you should be. I mean, I mean that the one shot you're talking about, Reed, today, I mean, that's the best feeling in the world to lose a ball that way is hitting it over the green because you hit it so good. I did I did <laughs> lose a green. I did lose a ball because I hit farther from that yardage than I thought I was capable of. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, this tech, uh, Luke says, Reed, Devin is a short course. You should get five birdies there, LOL. <laughs> Devin is a short. It's an interesting course. Some of the holes are, qu- I, I find anyway, quite tight, some of them. Um, but there are some shorter par fours, and uh, Luke, you would be happy to know I uh, took advantage of a couple today. Now, now I made that sound sinister. I scored well on some of the par fours. I, I, you know what? My two worst, two of my three bad holes were the last two, so I didn't finish well. But I, again, that's uh, that's life. Uh, all right, what do we want to do here? Well, why don't we read another uh, text about the Taylor Hall trade? <laughs> Just because Curtis from Leduc took uh, some time to write a whole paragraph earlier. Uh, Curtis says, Reed, remember early in the, the season last year, we talked on team identity. I was concerned they had none last year. Now we can speak of team identity. Tough, skilled, fast, well-coached, well-managed, and looking to still improve. People are selling Larson short. Look at his draft bios. He was compared by some to Hedman with uh, upside. He's a high-end pick, but Hall has hit his stride early, so it's not a fair comparison, and people should chill. It's not a bad trade. It's a trade. It's business, so get over it. That is from LaDuke, uh, Curtis and LaDuke. Well, you know, fair enough. I, I, I'm not going to tell you, but here's the, here's the thing, I, and I should, you know, when I, I read Chad's uh, text earlier, and I, I kind of said, Chad, like, Come on, man. It's it, I, I'm not necessarily telling people to get over it. I'm not telling people not to criticize it. I'm not telling people, you know, not to be upset about it. You're sports fans. You can feel however you want, and hopefully within within reason. Um, I'm just saying there has to be a point where 
we can't be too overly judgmental until we see the team play, right? Um, I understand the concern. I think it's a risky trade, but I'm not prepared to call it a bad trade because I haven't seen how the team looks. And I don't know if it's fair to say to, com- to, to compare their stats once they, it won't be fair to compare their stats or anything once they're into the season, right? But again, Shirelli did not do this to irritate you. All to all, he, he did not get up and say, I want to do the stupidest thing I can do. Because he doesn't think it's, it's stupid. I mean, Chad was saying, why don't the Oilers admit Chad was saying, why don't the Oilers admit it was a stu- they did something stupid? Well, because they don't think it was stupid, Chad. Have you ever done something that Maybe other people didn't like, but you were convinced it was the right thing to do, or you, or you took a risk, Chad. I'm sure you have. Texting this show, probably one of them. So that that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not. And, and again, if somebody texted in and said Adam Larson's going to get 30 goals, I would say well, I think you're getting ahead of yourself, <laughs> right? It's just you know the angry people tend to be the ones who have already decided that uh, it's doomsday, and I understand that because the team has missed the playoffs for 10 years. And, uh, I mean, they haven't finished first in their division, I don't think, since 1987. So, yes, I, I understand that. You, you've been hurt a lot, and so you think everything that they can do is bad, even though it's a different general manager, a different coach. I understand that. But the bottom line is you don't know. You really don't know how they're going to play this year. And, that's a, and to me, that's a good thing. Because like, uh, uh, like Curtis and LeDuc said, The identity is different. The makeup of the roster is a little different. Maybe that's the formula. I just hope you're at least willing to say maybe. Uh, Jamie says, have you ever got an eagle? Oh, my God, no, Jamie. I have not <laughs> I have not got an eagle. You have one, Matthew? I have one. When and where? It was over at, um, was it Victoria or Riverside? I can't remember. One of, the, one of those two one courses of the, I got unis. eagle on. Yep. It was a par five. And I was playing horrible that day, Reed, but I managed to get a hold of a shot when I think it was about a two or three iron and put it up with about 15 feet on the second shot and ended up making the eagle putt. Nice. Must have felt good. Oh, uh, my yeah. playing partner today, my buddy Evan, eagled the first hole, par five. Uh, was just in front of the green and two on the fringe, so he putted and he canned it. Back pin, rolled it all the way, length of the green. Get the stick dropped. It's beautiful. Such an awesome sight to see someone else. I mean, you love, I mean, as a person, you like to you know get a good score yourself, but it's always wicked to see somebody else get a good score as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Todd McClellan, speaking of golf, played in the Mark Spector Classic today at the Quarry. $100,000 raised for Sports Central, so great job by Mark and everybody involved. McClellan spoke to the media, and uh, he was talking about the uh, the forward size. The Oilers have uh, added some bigger guys up front, including Milan Lucic. When Peter, um, when, when Peter entered the program and, and looked at the team, he wanted to get bigger, stronger, heavier, a little harder to play against uh, later on in games, uh, tougher to knock off pucks, um, stronger in the blue paint at both ends. And uh, with the players that you mentioned, I think we've accomplished that. Now they still need to go out and perform and do it. Um, it's easy to look at their size and their strength and what they've done in the past, but it's still their responsibility to bring it each and every night and for us to get stronger in that area. Um, you know, the game is still played at a very fast pace. So these players need to be able to, uh, to execute and, and get from point A to point B, and we believe they can uh, with the size that they bring in. Will the RB play in the league right away? 
from what I've been told and what I've seen, I think he's going to have a good opportunity to. Um, and, uh, you know, him getting healthy over the summer and coming to training camp uh, with a real positive frame of mind um, and attempting to make the team will be a, a step in the right direction. So um, I'm hoping he does. But, uh, again, we'll have to look at it and, and see how he performs in camp. When you pencil in your lines, I know we're at the end of July, but do you think there's, you used that phrase last year, you have to play inside the other team's equipment. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a guy on every line that'll have that ability, that you can spread them around like that? Well, I hope there's more than one on each line. Um, uh, you know, we talked uh, again earlier about Lucic and, and Cassian and Maroon, and those type of players are big, and they uh, they do play in tight quarters. They play uh, over top of the puck. Uh, they can protect pucks well and allow some of our smaller skilled players maybe to do some of their things. So it, it's nice to have one on each line, but uh, even some of the smaller players have to develop those skills and uh, and improve in those areas for us to have success. Yeah, and fair comment. It's not just on the big guys to win puck battles and protect the puck. And, and take it to the net and play over top of it. Uh, maybe it might be easier for them or it comes a little more naturally to some of those guys. That's uh, head coach Todd McClellan, the full availability on 630Ched.com. And, of course, he was asked about Nail Yakupov. Did Yakupov since last year he didn't seem terribly happy? No, um, he didn't, and, and we weren't. So uh, it's as simple as that. And uh, But I believe in giving other or people opportunities to... Uh, to recover and to uh, to bring their game. I know Yak's worked extremely hard. He's done some things that he haven't hasn't done in the past uh, throughout the summer, uh, training in different areas. And um, you know, when he comes back, if uh, if that's the case, um, I want him to have success, and his teammates will want him to have success. And uh, it's a matter of finding that as quick as possible, and uh, we could sure use him. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit them online at actionfurnace.ca. All right, a little more on that and some more football prep. We'll hear from your other head coach, Jason Moss, as we move along. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. This texture says, hey, Reed, why haven't the Oilers signed Eric Griva? He's not a top-pairing guy, but he's pretty solid and plays with an edge. Yeah, Griba's still unsigned. Uh, yeah, depth guy. Did, I mean, did his did his job last season. I guess uh, Shirelli thinks he's going to be behind Davidson and Fane on the depth chart if he was here. Maybe he still winds up as an Edmonton Oiler. I, I wouldn't mind if the Oilers added an, another defenseman in that style. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to see Jordan Osterley in the NHL full-time yet. So, uh, you know, fair question, but there are, there are other players with Griba's skill set, I guess would be uh, my answer to that. So maybe they're uh, just waiting around a little bit. Inside Sports on Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have uh, the Eskimos and the Blue Bombers coming up tomorrow night, 5.30 for the pregame show. The game will start at 7. Jason Moss talking about the play of his defense. When we look at the film last week, I mean, there were some communication breakdowns like we talked about. But at the end of the day, there was enough plays out there to be made on our side of the ball. Uh, defensively. There was guys that were in position to make plays and we didn't make the plays. A, a lot of that, some of that could get attributed to playing against great people and great scheme and a, and a coach that coaches them well and a 
quarterback that's extremely hot and being protected. But at the end of the day, there's you know you could find six or seven plays that our guys were in position to make a play and just didn't make it. And that's what we talked about this week. Make a damn play. Bottom line. Um, no more, ex no excuses. I mean, communication breakdowns are going to happen. The times that the game's not going to go all that well. But when you're in position to make a play, step up and make a play. Bottom line. And uh, we, we need to do that on all three phases. And uh, it's not only defense. So how do you do that? I don't, I mean, that's the, the, the great, you know, answer. I mean, a great um, the unknown, I guess. You know, it just comes down to that in games. We're mano a mano. At times, you just got to beat your guy. And if we do that more often, you know, we'll be better for it. Well, and the defense was, was saying that after the game that we're paid to make plays and we didn't. Were they in position to make plays? Certainly not as much as I would have liked. Marcel Young was in a position to make a play, took a pass interference uh, penalty. There was another one later on in the game. Kenny Ladler was in the position to make a play, simply got beat on that two-point convert by Chad Owens. So, I mean, you talk a lot about offensive players making plays. Sometimes the defensive player has to make a play. you got to beat your man one-on-one. -on -one. The D-line wasn't able to do that. The guys in coverage weren't able to do that. They are playing a, a team that I don't think uh, is as dangerous tomorrow in uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, of course, they will be going with Matt Nichols at quarterback, who returns to Commonwealth. Played uh, quite a few games on this field, practiced on this field for the uh, better part of six years. So... Uh, I think I'm have a, a comfort level out there, and uh, you know, just look forward to it. You know, it's a, it's a good challenge, a good football team, team that hasn't lost a ton of games the last couple of years. So uh, we know that we have to play a great game to win. And um, you know, for me, it's uh, you know, once you get out there, it's it's nameless faces. You know, even though they're guys that I know very well, uh, you know, just see them as jersey numbers and and position. So uh, you know, looking forward to the challenge and getting ready to get out there. These two teams played. Two weeks ago, 13 days ago to be exact, the Eskimos won 2016 in Winnipeg. They trailed most of the game until Riley to Walker for a long bomb touchdown in the fourth quarter. The uh, Eskimos have struggled whenever they've had the lead. Couldn't hold the lead against Ottawa. Couldn't hold the lead against Saskatchewan. Obviously couldn't hold the lead against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Here's receiver Darius Bowman. we got to be the whole package. You can't. I ain't never seen one game, like I say, Football's not one half, it's, it's four quarters, two halves, you know, however you want to look at it. So uh, we did do a good job in terms of the uh, first three weeks we started slow but finished a lot stronger. And then fourth week come around, we actually start fast but then finish it strong. So uh, like I say, I think it's it's not a case of where we can't get the job done. It's a part of, like, we got to understand what we have to do to get the job done, and that's just finishing, you know. And you got to keep it within the game but just finishing. And uh, like I say, Hamilton did a great job last week, but it's nothing – that they did that was like outside of football. You know, it was us understanding our assignment and just playing ball. And we got to keep that smile on our face from the beginning to the end. And I know it's there, but uh, I think guys did a good job of this week. Uh, the film don't lie. Like I say, you can see it, and sometimes that's more effective than anybody telling you anything. You're saying it yourself and being able to correct it, and I think we got those guys that can do that. So. That is a Darius Bowman. He's been very dangerous this year for your Edmonton Eskimos. Text here uh, from Luke. He says, I grew up in Evansburg. Long before your time, heard good things about the Trestle Creek course, 15 minutes east of Evansburg. Luke, I played Trestle Creek in June. Very nice. Yeah, really cool. It's just kind of popped up there in a very uh, rural area just off Highway 16, east of uh, Evansburg and Entwistle. Cool place if you're ever looking to go golf outside of the city. All right, we're coming up to the 8.30 news. I can tell you that FC Edmonton, 
in the 64th minute at Clark Stadium, still trailing the New York Cosmos 1-0. The Cosmos got a goal six minutes in. We'll give you the latest baseball story as well to see how tonight's results are affecting the Toronto Blue Jays when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Oh, there it is. The Oilers' goal song from what year, Matthew? You know all the goal song years. Oh. This Early is 80s. Yeah, this is when they won the cup the first time. This is the Empire, or the Imperial March. Yeah. The disco version. From Miko. It's great. Jared on the text line says, uh, Hi, Reed. I'm a little worried with Lucic playing with McDavid. Can Lucic keep up? And will he hold McDavid back? Unless McDavid's line is going to be down low cycling most of the time, I don't really see it as a great fit. Maroon did well with McDavid, but so would a piece of plywood. The Oilers have lost much speed in a time that speed is increasing with no end in sight. I believe that by 2025, players like Lucic and Maroon will be obsolete like the old enforcers. I just hope Shirelli hasn't missed the boat on his philosophy, which may be dated. Uh, Fair question. Um, I would agree with some of those concerns and not with others, Jared. I mean, I we I interviewed Daryl Evans the, the day Lucic was signed, and he said Lucic's pace to the game is underrated. Uh, Daryl basically said there's a lot of assumption that Lucic is a, a bigger guy with a big frame, so he must be kind of slow. Uh, Daryl said that's not the issue. No one's going to keep up with McDavid. I think you have to be able to think the game along his lines and realize how to get him the puck, when and where to get it to him. And I think Lucic is good at thinking the game. Um, Will players like Lucic and Maroon be obsolete like the old enforcers? I don't think so, Jared, because I think big players are always going to be valued. Um, Maroon obviously doesn't have the offensive upside that Lucic does. There's always going to be a value on a player, though, who has some size and is willing to use that size, whether it's through being a little mean uh, or being able to occupy space in front of the other team's net, that kind of stuff. Um, But you're right. The game does keep getting faster and faster. Um, I mean, look, here's the thing. When's the next generational player going to come along? Six, seven, eight, nine years, and he'll be faster than Connor McDavid even when McDavid might be 25, 26 years old. So, yes, fair point. Um, I, I'm curious to see how Maroon is going to do. I, 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 to, I mean, to me, he's not going to produce at the pace he did while he was an Oiler last season, but I still think it can be valuable. I, I don't have a lot of concerns about Lucic, to be honest with you. I think he's going to fit in fine, and I do think he will come as advertised. But, as I've said, we shall see. Is this really who I think it is on the line? Is this the guy who hired me into the broadcasting industry, Greg Buchanan? Greg, how's it going? Don't hold that against me. Well, don't. I don't. Just everybody else does. <laughs> Reed, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time for me tonight, buddy. Uh, Greg with New Cap uh, Radio and Television out in Lloydminster. So what uh, what what do you think, buddy? How's how's everybody in the in the border city with all these uh, Oilers changes at the uh, end of June and early July? Well, I, I think they're hoping. 
you know, that the rebuild is over and they might actually uh, make the playoffs. Uh, I think that's the, the bottom line, and I think there, a lot of people are excited about the new arena and uh, and all the changes, the new faces, and now they're finally going to be a team that has a little sandpaper, and that's what everybody's wanted for for a very long time. When it was the uh, the large ownership group before Daryl Cates bought the team, how, how many uh, Lloyd Minster guys were part owners? Well, Lloyd and area, I think it broke down to be like close to eight or nine guys. Yeah, Cal Nichols was the the front runner. Then there was Larry McKelkey. Then there was the Christies. I believe a few out in Vermilion area. Uh, so yeah, you know what? In, in the kind of an in around way, probably about eight or nine guys. Most of them though were were in the background though. But Cal was obviously the chairman. Yeah, Kel was was the chairman. Kel did uh, did a lot of work in front of uh, a lot of uh, media, uh, and the other ones were kind of in the back. But guys like Larry McKelkey were a big part of it too. So, uh, but you know, everybody knew and Lloyd knew who they were. Uh, I think the rest of Alberta and Edmonton probably didn't. No, there there wasn't a lot of uh, you're right. Sort of any, any anything uh, anything public? I mean. It, it, I was always interested. I, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a drive. It's a, it's two two and a half hours, depending on what part of the city you're going to and how fast you go uh, on on the Yellowhead. But I was always surprised about the number of people uh, in Lloydminster who held Oilers seasons tickets or who went to a, a fair amount uh, fair amount of games and were willing to do that and get home at one a.m. on a, on a weeknight just because they they wanted to go watch the games. Yeah, they're in their list. You know what? And uh, there's a lot of times that I have made the trip up, uh, not lately, a little too busy in the winter time. But when I do get a chance, uh, trying to get up there to watch a game, and and the Highway 16 is a little busy there from Vegreville onward, and and it makes for an interesting drive. And every once in a while, somebody pulling over because uh, their bladder can't make it all the way to Lloyd. <laughs> all right, uh, Greg. Well, we, I mean, we want to just have you on just uh, for some storytelling and stuff. And I should have introduced you as a former winner of the Canadian Professional Chuck Wagon Association Media Person of the Year Award. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I am also one. You've probably won it two or three times by now, though. Well, yeah, and I've been uh, doing the CPC radio network thing now for going on 10 years. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't think they will award it to me anymore. All right, and I think that started just the, the, the summer. I left in May of 2007. I think that's when they were launching that on, on New Cap Radio and Lloyd, uh, or yeah, I guess what's I it called, their Lloyd FM. Before. I was a fill-in for one Saturday night, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm doing it for 10 years. So, so tell people about, no, first of all, when you're broadcasting a, a chuck wagon race, it yeah. takes 90 seconds. So what do you what do you do all night? Um, a lot of talking, uh, <laughs> a lot of interviews. Uh, I, you know, I just came back from the Calgary Stampede. We had a week off last week, uh, back at it on tomorrow night in Frog Lake. Uh but has spent 10 nights at the Calgary Stampede, and uh, you have to have some good people with you on air. Uh, I've, I've become very knowledgeable towards the sport of chuck wagon racing, but still learning as I go every night. Uh, but, you know, in Calgary, I had a guy by the name of Jim Nevada, who's a former champion driver and outrider, and Eddie Melville, who's another champion outrider, and my regular color commentator is Bernie Putter, who's a longtime rodeo announcer and track announcer for chuck wagon racing in this area. So you, you have, you do have a lot of airtime to fill and uh, there is challenges because uh, as you know we have horses and the horses don't quite cooperate on a given (laughs) night and don't do what they're supposed to be doing and sometimes you have to fill and uh, yeah I've had the gift of gab since I can remember so it it comes in handy. 
Tell me a little bit about, and I, you know, I've had uh, Kurt Benzmiller on this show who's from yeah. Dewberry, and he's won the, the Stampede a lot of times, uh, a couple of times, and that's, that is big money. Um, but tell us, how do these guys earn a living? Are they full-time truck wagon drivers, or how do they make it work financially? Well, they would love to be full-time chuck wagon drivers. Uh, a lot of them work very hard in the wintertime so they can play in the summertime. Uh, that's a lot. And there's two associations. There's the WPCA. They're, their schedule is a little more intense. They have, uh, let's say, a five- or six-day shows. They uh, have shows from Grand Prairie all the way to Saskatoon, down to Medicine Hat. I believe they're in Strathmore this weekend, where the Canadian Professional Chuck Wagon Association is uh, you know, centered around the Lloydminster, Metal Lake, uh, North Balliford area. Uh, we have shows throughout this area, so it, it's it's a short two-hour drive to a lot of the shows in our association, where the other associations a little bit more of a, a longer schedule, a lot more race nights, and uh, it means a lot more miles. So those guys, they really have to hit the pavement hard for sponsors in the WPCA as well as the CPCA because it it's uh, you're not going in a chuck wagon racing to try to make money. Trust me, it's. Uh, <laughs> Greg, give me a sense of when the, I mean, well, let's talk about the CPCA since that's what you broadcast and that's what I covered, uh, and it's centered around Lloydminster. I mean, when, well, what, what is it like when a town is hosting a, like if you go into Dewberry for a weekend to cover, cover races, is it like, does the whole town stop for it? I mean, what's the magnitude of these events? Yeah, it does. It kind of does. Like Dewberry's a prime example of that. It, it, Dewberry's not even a town, it's a village. Uh, and it's and it's it's funny they had a, a night not that long ago where we recognized all the drivers and the outriders from Dewberry and it, it's a mass like it's it's that sport is huge in Dewberry it's uh, you know when you think of venues uh, that are really support the sport of chuck wagon racing Dewberry is one of them and yeah the whole town does shut down uh, and when the other neat thing about it it's it's similar to say NASCAR down in the U S if you go to a NASCAR event. And you'll go to the event, and all you'll see is campers for as long as you can see, and and, and just fields and fields of, of campers because people camp, and, and that's how they follow the chuck wagon racing. And uh, a few years ago, we used to race in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, which, if anybody knows, and grabbed a, a road map, uh, it's a long way from Lloydminster and a long way from this area, but yet the same people that went to the shows in Turtleford, Saskatchewan, and Dewberry, Alberta, and Lloydminster, Alberta, they were the same people that were watching those races that weekend in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. So there are some very loyal, passionate fans that follow this, uh, this circuit, whether it be the WPCA or the CPCA, and they travel up and down the highway throughout the summertime. A lot of people make it their summer to watch chuck wagon racing. Yeah, I, I always found that uh, I found that incredible, too. It was a different world, some of the nicest people oh, yeah. you'll ever meet. I mean, if you ever... We never could because we were always driving long distances. But covering truck wagon races is, is it would be an easy way to get drunk with a media person because if you interview a truck wagon driver, yeah. you, when you're done asking your questions, their question to you is, "You want to hang out for a beer?" Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, no, I have to interview other people and then drive for a couple hours, so I can't. <laughs> See, that happens to happen to me. I don't drink, but uh, I, I have the habit of, "Hey, do you want something to eat?" So, in ten years, I've put on a little bit of weight since then. So. Hey, uh, what's going on uh, with uh, the old Lloydminster Border Kings? Were they, are they coming back, or what's going on? I'm concerned about that.
Yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm concerned, too. I'm a former general manager, was part of two Allen Cups, and it, they will not have another team, as far as I know right now, talking to Owen Noble, who's the team president and was team president when I was with the organization. Uh, just a lot of things just not falling into place for the organization. And, and with our success that we've had with the Border Kings when we won the Allen Cup in 01 and won the Allen Cup in 07, was our core our core players, and, and you know those core guys, guys like Merv Mann, guys like Morgan Mann, Ray Nielsen, Jason Clegg, and, uh, and guys like that, and Scott Hood, Corey Dell, and Greg Brown just listing off a whole bunch. And when you have a core guys that take ownership of the team and, and really do a lot of work uh, behind the scenes to, to get that team on the ice to pay the bills, uh, that makes it, makes it very easy. Uh, and what happened is just the core got older, they have other commitments, and the core was never really replaced. And it gets tough to go down that road when you don't have you don't have that sponsorship coming in. You don't have the core players that have really bought in to the organization and want to play Border King hockey. And they also had a hard time finding leagues. Uh, it came down to the point where the Chinook was not working for them anymore. They pulled out of the Chinook. They tried a few te- uh, leagues in Saskatchewan, but the thing is, the Border Kings are too big of a team for some of the smaller leagues in this area. So. They're, they're tough. It's really tough for them, and it looks like they're going to take another knee for a second straight year, which is it's not good because the longer you take a long break, the, the longer it's going to take to get that organization back up uh, on its feet. And the saving grace for this right now, I don't know if it's a saving grace, but uh, the Loyminster Bobcats are having a special Border King night in October to honor the uh, Allen Cup championship teams of 01 and 07. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, th- those were... Uh special teams. And I know the Chinook League uh, still goes uh, uh, along. I mean, unfortunately, the one story I wrote about the Allen Cup this year was kind of a negative one, Greg, because you knew yeah. about the kerfuffle with the, the roster that I thought was uh, kind of shameful the way that was happening. But I mean, I, I got relationships with people on the Generals and, and Stony Plain. And I believe Rosetown is joining the Chinook League this year, which is going to be they interesting. Were, yeah, I know they tried last year. Um, they're, they're just, uh, you know, I guess I can say this, but there's not a really good working relationship between Hockey Alberta and Sask Hockey. And uh, with Rosetown playing in Saskatchewan and trying to play in Alberta League, that doesn't go over very well in Regina. And they're trying to force Rosetown to stay in Saskatchewan, not playing the Chinook League. But I, hopefully they got that rectified because Rosetown will be a great addition to the Chinook League. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think they're in, Greg. That's the last information I have. So hopefully hey, good, it, good. it stays that way. Hey, uh, thanks for the stories, buddy. Uh, have fun covering the Chucks this weekend, and we'll have to do this again. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks, Reed. That is my old boss, Greg Buchanan from New Cap Radio in Lloydminster. Lloyd FM is the station. What are they at? Uh, 95.9 on the FM dial. I should remember that. All right, here's what's uh, happening. Uh, in. Uh, by the way, if you've never seen a chuck wagon race, it's actually pretty amazing to watch. I'll just, uh, I'll just leave it at that. The Astros lead the Yankees 4-1 in the top of the ninth. The Blue Jays lost 8-4 to San Diego. Colorado beat Baltimore 3-1. Detroit beat Boston 4-3. So uh, the AL East will stay the same. Baltimore 2.5 up on Toronto, 3 up on Boston. Houston poised to move within uh, a half game of Boston for the second and final wild card position. It is 8:47 Inside Sports on 632. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right. Uh, Jared texted in a few minutes ago 
word that the Oilers might be a little too slow. Jackie has uh, texted a rebuttal. Has the speed game helped the Oilers reach the playoffs the last few years? Guys like Lucic and Maroon add versatility to the lineup and much-needed strength, size, and intimidation. That is from Jackie. Yakushev. Uh, <laughs> Yakushev. I love this guy. He says, Reed, tell Kellen Kennedy I saw Sigourney Weaver on the Democratic National Convention tonight. She looks better than she did 15 years ago. Of course, Kellen Kennedy, uh, his celebrity crush, Sigourney Weaver, who uh, is in her 60s, he thought she was around 40. Because I said, that's, this, was, this, was a, this was like shortly after I started hosting Inside Sports. I've been doing it almost three years now. And somehow we started talking about this. And he said he liked Sigourney Weaver. And I was like, well, that's kind of a forbidden romance. Like he was 27 at the time. I said, she's quite a bit older than you. He's like, well, what is she, maybe 42? I was like, no, she's like 63. Uh, this texter says, Reed, do you come from Lloyd Minster? I, uh, not originally. I lived and worked there. Well, obviously did both. Uh, for seven years at the uh, first half or so of my broadcast career from 2000 to 2007. Hence my conference, uh, my, my frequent border city references and stories and guests. So that's where that comes from. Terry is on the open line. Hello, Terry. How you doing, Reed? You and Stoffer make uh, uh, radio still uh, workable. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm calling in about the Shirley thing. I'm still angry about the Hall Larson thing, and I am not going to quit on that. I still think that uh, Shirley never really gave this team a chance to do a full audit on it. Uh, half the team was injured last year. And uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, a thing that I heard from a fellow named Glenn Sater told me, Terry, you know, for, uh, he was calling this uh, Two Hills Times Cup reporter about 30-odd years ago, and he says, you know, he says, Edmonton is the only town in Canada that will critique a winner. And he was quite right. It was like, uh, well, we won, and next year it was like the fans says, well, what are you going to do for me this year? And the following year, what are you going to do for me next year? And it went on like that, and that's true. Well, but this edition I, I, I of the Oilers hasn't won very much, man. Sorry? This edition of the Oilers hasn't won very much. Well, That's why they're no, being critiqued. I guess what I'm getting at is you have to look really hard. When, you, when you're trading, uh, you know, I've, I've heard the metaphors before, racehorses and stuff like that. You know, you got a thoroughbred, and, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm still not buying Maybe we have to really wait until October, but I'm really skeptical at this point. Well, you're allowed to be skeptical, but you can't be absolute until you see them play, right? <laughs> uh, great show, Reed. Have a good night. But I make a good point, and he just laughs at me. <laughs> that was Terry, 780-496-0063. All right. Uh, by the way... Uh, this portion of the show brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Uh, I want to thank uh, Daniel Sylvan Lake is the handle he used for sending me a, a very kind email tonight to insidesports at 630ched.com. Daniel, just wanted to acknowledge, did get the email. Really appreciate uh, everything you said in it, and uh, thank you very much for listening. That was really cool. Uh, Matthew Panashik is on the other side of the window tonight. FC Edmonton has tied it in the 79th minute. And uh, Ledgerwood with the goal, 1-1 with the New York Cosmos. The game is almost over at Clark. Uh, Jay Bueller texting in. 
replying to uh, Terry's phone call, saying there are always going to be players injured preventing a full assessment. And he says also, I would say Toronto is much harder on their teams. Yeah, I mean, that's just sports, right? I mean, everything's always going to be picked apart, especially the big team in the town, right? I mean, the Yankees are probably going to be analyzed more. Well, maybe New York's a bad example because they have so many people. But uh, I'm sure the the couple times I've been to Philadelphia, I got the sense that the Eagles were a bigger deal than anybody else. You know, and we'd get more off-season chatter and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah, anyway, I mean, look, I, again, I, you can be upset. That's, that's fine. I just think it's premature to talk in, in, in absolutes. That's all. Until we get more information and see the team play. Uh, you can text 630-630-780-496-0063. What else am I missing here, Matthew? Milos Raonic won today at the Rogers Cup in Toronto. 6-3-6-3 over Yensun Liu. So Raonic, who had a bye into the second round, now advances into the third round. Oh, this is interesting. Canadian weightlifter Christine Girard's bronze medal from the London Olympics could be upgraded to gold after the two women who finished ahead of her were nabbed in doping retests. So this is one of those uh, situations. We only had the one gold in London, right? Rosie McLennan, the trampoliner. Is that what you call them? The trampoline artist? the trampoline athlete. Um, she won gold. She's going to carry the flag in Rio. It starts next Friday already. So now we could get another gold medalist four years after the fact. So that's what doping does. It prevents the actual winner from getting their moment at the Olympics with the, uh, with the anthem being played. But that's an interesting story. Christine Girard. Ottawa Senators... Avoiding arbitration with Mike Hoffman, four years, $21 million. He had 59 points last season. Detroit signing goaltender Peter Mrazek, two years, $8 million, 921 save percentage, 27 wins last season. The Oilers have loaned Bogdan Yakimov to the KHL. He went and played there for a bit last season, so you're wondering if uh, his tenure with the Oilers organization slowly expiring. Henry Burris will play for Ottawa at quarterback Sunday against Toronto. Trevor Harris, though, is now out with knee and ankle injuries. Brian from Lloyd says, I don't like the Hall trade, but I think we will have more pushback now. I also think that if McDavid and Clefbaum stayed healthy last year, the Oilers may have been sniffing at the playoffs. Here is to a playoff spot this year. Go Oilers, go. That is from Brian and Lloyd. Ant Eater says, Reed, where do I find this article you speak of that you wrote on the Chinook League? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was actually on the Allen Cup in Manitoba. Uh, I looked into some information I received about uh, roster issues that caused games to be pushed back into the evening and played at 1 in the morning. Jeez, um, Matthew, you'd have to Google it, eh? If you Google, yeah. if you Google Wilkins Allen Cup roster or something like that, it might show up. Was that the end of April? Yeah, mid-April, third week of April. Yeah. It was during the Allen Cup. Sorry, I would have replied to that text uh, with the with the link, but I just read it now. Uh, Brian says the only good point that Terry made is that we do have to wait until October and November. That was based on Terry's phone call. All right, so here's what's coming up. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. The Oil Country Championship starts tomorrow out at the Glendale. We'll keep you updated on that one. Tomorrow at 5.30. 
Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, Brendan Ulrich, Blake Dermott, Scott Johnson, all part of our broadcast team. It is Eskimos home to the Blue Bombers at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. Kickoff will be at 7, all right here on 630 Chet. I want to thank our guests tonight. You heard from Greg Buchanan, Jordan Baker, and Kevin Carius were in studio. Morley was on the show, Doug Brown, and you heard all the comments from Todd McClellan. Get the full interview on 630Ched.com on the Oilers page. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening is the multi-talented Matthew Panache. My name is Reed Wilkins. Enjoy the Eskimos game. Maybe I'll see you at the stadium. Take care. Along with the charade That doesn't seem to be a reason to change You know I feel so dirty when they start talking cute I want to tell her that I love her but she can't 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad